it's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tydra. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Zero radio show. We broadcast from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne and are syndicated on the Community Radio Network. You may download our podcast from the internet at either 3cr.org.au or bze.org.au or using any common podcasting app. My name is Nils and our co-host today is Michael. How are you, Michael? Good, thanks, Nils. And would you like to introduce today's topic? Certainly. Continuing our recent theme on electric vehicles, where we've had the uh, Tesla, we've had e-bikes both pre-built and converted, we've now got a topic today on Fonzarelli's electric scooter. The Fonzarelli electric scooter is powered by a removable chargeable battery. The benefit of removing the battery means recharging is easy for people without off-street parking. The Fonzarelli electric scooter also has a second slot for a second battery, which can extend the riding range. The electric scooter combines silence with talk for an urban rider. Michelle Nazari is the Managing Director of Fonzarelli Bikes from the headquarters in Sydney. How are you, Michelle? Very well, thank you. Uh, we do like to uh, just find out a bit of background, I guess, what led you to where you are with your sustainability curve and selling electric vehicles and zero emissions private transport. Could you just give us a brief fill-in on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. I started off in the transport industry in manufacturing buses, and I was part of the group that brought the first electric and before that hybrid vehicles to Australia. So that was actually based in Melbourne with Crown Coaches. So I was a part of the team that brought that to Australia, and that whet my appetite for electric vehicles and decarbonised transportation. How far back was that when we were bringing in electric buses? Um, We started that in 2007. Yeah, the first, uh, no, hybrid was 2007, yep. and then we moved to electric. With a larger vehicle like that, the hybrid system works very well. Yep. The electric system is a little bit more complicated, unlike the Fonzarelli scooter, which is such a simple machine to run. Well, I didn't even know we had electric buses here, so thanks for telling me that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, out of interest, are they still being used around Melbourne? Or? Yeah, they are still being used in um, out of Nunawading. That's where the Crown Coaches Depot is. They have some of them on school bus runs, I believe, and uh, some of the hybrids also on school bus runs. Hmm. Yeah. So coming to your scooter, the Fonzarelli scooter, what sort of acceleration can it achieve? The Fonzarelli can do 0 to 60 in 6 seconds. It does have a customisable um, operating system, so you can even, you could even make that a little bit faster, but that's our recommended operating speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the top speed? The top speed is 75 kilometres per hour. It's designed to be able to, you know, traverse over bypasses and inner city areas. And generally, when you're riding a scooter, you find you're riding at around 40, 50 kilometres an hour. Mm. Uh, and then it's some, some areas where you need to go a little bit faster. So it's got that extra speed for that. That's fantastic, because at least you've, you've got that speed to be able to go with the flow of the traffic. Whereas we, if you're not, that's one of the most dangerous things, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The idea is that most of the time, you know, in Melbourne traffic, it's really quite congested. 
but then it's sometimes you really don't want to be like for example on a bike if you're going at, if you've got vehicles going past at high speeds it can be quite nerve-wracking so mm. it moves you at a comfortable speed keeping up with the traffic and because the torque off the mark is excellent a lot of the time really keeping you ahead of the traffic which is also good that's also a really good point i've found that that's a major point for electric push bikes i think that people don't appreciate that ability to accelerate away from the lights instead of yes. getting squashed into the gutter it really yeah. matters. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. And same for the scooter, obviously. The big one, of course, in everyone's mind is the range. What's the range of the Fonzarelli scooter? Well, the Fonzarelli, depending on how you ride, as, as with, you know, a petrol car, if you've got a heavy foot, it's going to impact the range that you will re- you'll receive. So depending on terrain, the rider weight, all those sorts of things, we average around doing a, um, average speeds of about 60 kilometres an hour, which is in the higher end. We'll re- average around 50 kilometre range. If you have lower speeds, it could be up to 75. And again, um, if you have sort of two passengers, it might reduce it down below that 50-kilometre range. So then when you have two batteries, then you go up to between 100 to 150 kilometres range. And what sort of charger is needed to recharge the Fonzarelli scooter? We just use a simple charging system. So we charge at 8 amp or 4 amp. We don't do fast charging because the batteries being portable, they don't need to be charged really quickly. It's the same way that you charge your mobile phone or your laptop. You you know, often plug it in at night and then in the morning it's ready to go. Mm. So we use a fairly conservative charge and, um, and it's really good for the batteries. Yep. And how long does it take to charge? Does it take all night or is it a bit quicker? It, no, it doesn't. We, you can do a fast charge in an hour, which will give you 80%. With um, lithium-ion technology, it gives the majority of the um, charge, like once you start to get to higher voltage, that's when the cells need to be protected. So we slow down the charging as you get to a higher, higher um, once the ba- um, battery's at a higher capacity. And at that point, we slow down to almost to a trickle charge, and that continues to do the further 20% between three and five hours. And then we have a smaller mini charger, which can do it in eight hours if you just want to help charge it overnight. If a rider wished to use two batteries to dampen range anxiety, are yes. both batteries partially discharged simultaneously or is one battery discharged first? They're, yeah, they're dis- discharged independently. So once one's discharged, then you switch across to the other one and, uh, and, and then the other one's ready to go. So you really avoid range anxiety. To be honest, in the city, for me, I actually, I only ride, I, I have access to as many batteries as I really want, but I only ride with one pack because in an average day, I just don't really find, even if I'm going to see customers all over the city and running multiple errands, you never really seem to need more than the one battery pack I find for my commute. Just to clarify that, you actually consciously switch across to the other battery, do you? Or yes. does it happen automatically? No, you, you physically switch it across, mm-hmm. yeah. And can both batteries be recharged simultaneously? Uh, yes, they can. Yeah, you use a charger that has two charge points. So um, with the batteries as well, we have three different uh, indicators to give you information about how full the battery is. So there's accurate state of charge, which means on the gauge, it'll say, the same as a, as a uh, computer or a, or a mobile phone, it'll say from 100% down to 0%. That's one warning. The second warning is, um, well, that's not a warning, but that just indicates where you, what percentage the battery is full. There's a warning that's where the battery a battery symbol starts to flash, and that's when you're getting down to around 20% range. And then when you're around 10% battery left, 
it'll actually reduce the current, which means it'll reduce the speed of the bike. So you can still get home and it gives you a, a bit of distance to get home. But at that point, it's telling you you need to recharge and it's protecting the cells. So you're not travelling at really high speeds and damaging the cells. What advice would you like to give riders about extending the range and longevity of a Fonzarelli rechargeable battery? Well, it's for the ride, for, for me, I, I keep... Um, there's, there's several different functions. Like, for example, there's, you can have regenerative braking off the rear brake, off the rear tyre, rather, and you can also have coastal slide regeneration. So if you have it on coasting, you'll get more range when you're not accelerating and the bike's just free-flow momentum. If the weather conditions are excellent, you can brake just lightly on the left lever and that one's the rear brake, so that will regenerate back into the bike. So the way I ride is a little bit gentler and uh, not so hard on accelerating and I flow through the traffic a little bit more fluidly. Once you start accelerating hard and braking hard, you're going to be using uh, more range. Michelle, owners of uh, Tesla Model S, um, we had that the Tesla people in here a few weeks ago, yeah. and the owners are encouraged to improve the longevity of their rechargeable battery by not fully charging it too often. Yeah. However, we know that the Fonzarelli battery performs better if fully charged, if, if we understood correctly. Can you explain yeah. the difference in battery technologies causing this? Well, the, the actual battery technology, we use um, a very similar... We, we use Samsung cells, but it's a very similar chemistry. The main difference is in the actual charging. So because they're doing such fast, high-level charging, it's going to damage the cells. You know, as mm-hmm. I said before, in that first 80% of getting the battery full, you can go relatively fast. Once you get a higher voltage, you need to slow it down, otherwise the cells damage. So because they're using a much larger system and they need to, because the car can't be ridden unless it, the car needs to be with power, whereas yeah. with a scooter we can just switch in and switch out the batteries. Yes. Um, so it's really the fast charging in, compar- in comparison to our, um, our slower charging. Okay, that makes sense. What's the weight of this uh, interchangeable battery? The batteries are 10 kilos. They're about the size of a briefcase, I would say, and they're quite easy to slot in and slot out, just a few seconds. Mm. Yeah. So you just take it inside to work and charge it up under your desk? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, um, a meeting with, a, I think, a journalist down in St Kilda a few weeks ago, and I wanted the power to be at 100%. So I was meeting him in a cafe and pulled it out and charged it inside the cafe, and it's just such an easy thing to do. So... So the, the charger associated with that, is that built into that pack or do you got to have to carry the, that separately? Or? The charger's quite small. It's about 20 centimetres by 8 centimetres for the larger one mm-hmm. and a little bit smaller for the smaller one. Yeah, so they're, they're compact. So you, but you'd, you'd have to carry that separately to yeah, be able they're to separate. do that. Yep. So you can either charge on board or you pull the charger out and charge separately. The reason we don't integrate them is because you want to keep the battery pack as compact as possible mm-hmm. and most people keep a charger Say if you you keep one at home and you might want to have a secondary one at work. Most people just have one, and the charger normally stays where it is. If you wanted to do a longer ride, you take the charger with you. So rather than having the batteries bigger and bulkier, keep them independent. Michelle, you you obviously really technically okay with this, and you sound like you have quite a bit of ownership in it. Tell us about the Fronzarelli company and um, your role in it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, as I said, I come from a background in bus manufacturing. I am self-taught as an engineer. I would say that I am pretty au fait in most areas. I have a very good understanding 
of the whole system and I can I can I don't write the code for the product but working with different engineers I and I understand what I want it to be I can create a pretty good system I think that's from a lot of experience I've been doing this for five years and really understanding the requirement that's how I developed the product thinking what is it that we really need in a city to um, get around a lot of people live in apartments a lot of people don't want to get stuck on the side of the road and have a vehicle that needs to be towed somewhere because it needs to be charged. Having that confidence that you can just switch out a battery and charge it and then sit at a cafe and charge it somewhere if you really get stuck. It's just really understanding what the market wanted that led to the Fondrelli 125. Mm, Okay. So coming sort of more to the political side of things now, do you see a role for governments in prompting the transition to zero emissions private transport? Yeah, look, there's certainly a role. And in the car industry, they've got a little bit more hope but in the um, motorcycles, because it's such a small um, part of the market that are electric motorcycles still, there's really myself that manufactures and zero motorcycles. It's and zero, not a, zero are an import, aren't they? Yeah, they're an import, yeah. Yep. Um, they're an American company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's not a lot of impetus for change from the government side, uh, even to the point where initially in Victoria we were being penalised for this size of, um, because they couldn't actually define what size the uh, motor was, we were being penalised. So, for example, you know, a 50cc bike is X amount of dollars and then you go up to a 300 or, you know, 1,000cc mm-hmm. bike because they couldn't couldn't work out where we sat because obviously being zero cc, <laughs> they put us into the highest category initially, which was really difficult because it added around 25% onto the cost of the bike <laughs> in registration costs. So. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, now we've overcome that. But yeah, there's, def- there's definitely a role for the government to play. It would be great if they could also look at electric motorcycles in the same way that they do electric cars, because often we just get put to the side and forgotten about, which is unfortunate. Mm. You're listening to the Beyond Zero radio show. Our guest today is Michelle Nazari, the managing director at Fonzarelli Bikes. Michelle, coming back to the uh, bike itself, what sort of consumer is attracted to ride a Fonzarelli bike? Well, we're finding most of our consumers are environmentally conscious consumers or the techie type. The majority of our customers have been ranged between 40 and 65, looking for a auxiliary vehicle, something just to get around for convenience, not having to park, not having to pay for parking. Majority, 90% of our uh, customers have been male, which has been an interesting thing. A lot of our consumers also being environmentally conscientious, have also got solar panels or buy green power. So a lot of people are actually trying to decarbonise, which is awesome. Mm. Yeah. We've started to partner up with solar companies. With the feed-in tariffs reducing now, people are looking for ways to use their electricity. So that's been a great partnership for us. I think that's um, particularly New South Wales, isn't it? You're you're facing... Queensland as well, yeah, Yeah. and uh, Western Australia. So I'm not sure of Victoria, actually, because that's where our partners are. Mm. You mentioned the parking. I think, uh, if I heard it correctly just recently, that it's actually free and legal to park on the footpaths in Melbourne. Uh, Yeah. I don't know about New South Wales. It's it's a wonderful thing in Melbourne. (laughs) Unfortunately, you can't do that in New South Wales. In Western Australia, again, it's very frustrating because they... They even in in paid parking areas they have designated motorcycle only areas so they try and stop people like stop scooters from parking in car spaces which is ridiculous because if you parallel parking there's enough room to slot a scooter in mm-hmm. and it actually obviously it's better to do it that way so a little bit penalised in sorry in Queensland they're just now starting to have designated parking areas on 
on um, the streets. In New South Wales, they still actually fine you because you're not allowed to park on the footpath like like Victoria. Mm. They'll actually fine you if you stay over the time for the um, parking. So if it's two-hour parking and you stay for three hours, you can get a fine, which is uh, a little bit frustrating, but hopefully we can overcome that in the coming years as there becomes more and more motorbikes on the road. Michelle, yes. uh, can you please tell us about the Forza button? Yeah, absolutely. The Forza is designed for traversing steep hills and crossing over inner city bypasses where there's higher speeds. What it does is it increases the RPM and current for a limited amount of time. It gives a lot of power. It's quite fun. And um, it's it goes for 10 seconds. And it's uh, there's a little signal on the gauge which tells you that it's on. And then um, that goes off when it turns off. So people, people seem to love the Forza. The name comes from uh, the word force in Italian. I'm, a ta- I'm part Italian, so I uh, took a little bit of inspiration. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Does it harm the battery at all? No, it doesn't. Being the type of cells that we're using, they're high-rated cells, so for a short period of time, having that burst of a higher current is not a bad thing at all for the batteries. If we had it engaged all the time, that would be damaging to the cells, but it's not damaging to use it when it's needed, and that's, that's how it's been designed. I can't help thinking when you talk about the Forza button of Bugs Bunny and Coyote and the, the rockets they put under themselves when they need propulsion. <laughs> Very good. And also, um, could you please tell us about the FONS Lab? Yeah, sure. The FONS Lab is a space where people can go and speak with um, our electrical engineers and electricians and they can uh, they can customise their operating system to suit their requirements. So for some people, if you're a learner-writer, um, you might want to increase the um, glide regeneration. So what that means is... When you're taking a corner, you don't really need to brake very hard. Good for the brake pads because you don't need to replace them as often. But also, mm. when you don't brake into a corner, it's, um, you can take the corner much more smoothly and nicely. So for mm. me, I don't really have that turned up very high because I prefer to coast along the road, which also can save you some power as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can adapt to the performance. Some people want more more off the mark, say, for our delivery scooters. We have, have some customers doing delivery in, in various food companies, and they have a certain requirement as well. So we basically just go in there and customise it. And if you want to come back in and change it, we just plug in the computer and we just can customise it to what their requirement is, yeah. So I assume this is in Sydney, near your headquarters, is it, Michelle? We've got in Sydney, we've... Yeah, we've got a space on Liverpool Street in Melbourne. We um, partnered up with PowerShop, so that's offered out of um, mm-hmm. Collins Street. In Brisbane, we have a space, and also in Western Australia at the moment, so four, four states at the, at the minute. So, but it's just, Sorry, yeah? No, sorry, I interrupted you, but I was going to ask, how close are you to just being able to plug your bike into the internet and have you do that remotely or, or have us yeah. run the software at home? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's not something. It's actually not something that's impossible. It's just at the moment you have to also people need to be trained to understand how to use the technology. So, if one thing with electricity you impact, you change one thing and it impacts another thing. So, it's at the moment it still needs to be done by somebody who's trained, somebody like an electrical engineer. Um, in terms of how that would be done, it's really quite simple, but probably not something that we'll introduce because we like to give the personal service as well. Mm-hmm. Michelle, the um, average mechanic to date has been trained in complex internal combustion engines for both mm-hmm. motorbikes and cars. How simple is it for that average mechanic to reskill for servicing an electric scooter? It's 
really easy. There's nothing to note other than the rear hub has the motor. So when you, say, change a tyre on the rear motor, all you need to do is have some customised clamps, which you can make it a little bit... um, Basically, the axle is much bigger and Mm. um, you need to be able to fit that onto the tyre fitter. So we can just work with our service guys and send something out to them and then they can mount that on their tyre fitters and it makes it easy for them to do it. There's not really anything else that's unique because all the electrical side we deal with so any software things to do with the controller the battery and the battery management system is built into the battery pack and obviously with a portable battery pack if there is a um, problem you can easily just pull it out open up the battery pack mm-hmm. and um, if you had say a cell that went down we actually haven't had a cell go down to date so we haven't had to do this yet mm-hmm. but it's um, very easy for maintenance this system which is excellent it's, it's great. Sounds very thoughtfully designed. Yes. Um, what's involved in servicing? What sort of commitments is an owner up for servicing for, per annum, say? Per annum, we still recommend a standard servicing. So in each state it will vary, but it's less than what it would be for a motorcycle, not only because of the service cost, because you're doing half as much. Say if a normal service at your mechanic is 200 it might be 100 If it's 150 it might be 80 but in addition, you don't have all of the extra parts that you have to buy. Often people will say in the second year of having a scooter, they're spending like six, $800 on on a service with, mm. um, with parts. So there's a lot less stuff to go wrong in an electric scooter. So that's another big advantage we have. We also use very good quality componentry. We learned a lot from our first generation of bikes and you know we've developed everything to a very high level and mm. work really hard to just have the highest level of quality control. So, yeah, we haven't really had much go wrong. Good on you. How popular are electric scooters in Australia and overseas? Overseas, there's a function for electric scooters that is not like Australia. So in a lot of um, Asian countries, they'll have electric scooters with lead-acid batteries and they'll do low speeds, you know, 30 kilometres per hour. Mm-hmm. And in Europe, they've become very popular with their, what what in Australia is called the LA category, moped uh, we in Western Australia, Queensland and South Australia, etc., you don't require a motorcycle licence. They have similar laws in um, most parts of Europe. So it means if you're travelling at 45 kilometres per hour, you're not required to have a um, motorcycle licence. So they've been adopted very well in Europe as well. In Australia, we're just starting out. There's a lot of interest, but it's it's really growing at the moment. There's There's been a few dodgy just ordering in containers of maybe not so good quality bikes mm. um it's really just been a few companies like zero and our and fonzarelli that's brought in a bike that's designed and engineered by ourselves and the quality control is very high using um products like the samsung cells and things that are very reliable yep. so at the moment it's um we've just launched fonzarelli 125 earlier this year and the uptake's been excellent so far hopefully it keeps climbing because Mm-hmm. It'll be better for the environment. <laughs> Could you just go back to that um, LA category and which states that applies to? Yeah, absolutely. The LA category is Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia, the Northern Territory, not the ACT, not Victoria, not New South yeah. Wales. Tassie, we've left them out. No, Tasmania, I'm not sure, actually. I haven't had any inquiries from Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Tasmania. So basically, it's like to be limited below 50cc, so they're 49cc normally. Mm. And then with the fonds, they need to be limited by speed, so it's 50k's mm. an hour. So, okay, but yeah. regardless of that, in Victoria and New South Wales at least, you need to have a licence, a motorcycle yeah. licence. Yeah, you mm. do. 
which is, yeah, it's a little bit of a pity, but by the same token, people, once they get their motorcycle license, you can say, oh, it wasn't actually that hard to do it. It's a small commitment for a lot of convenience. So it's good to have a little bit of training as well on the road with a um, scooter. I got mine personally many years ago, and the policeman at Bunyip said, ride around the block, and if you turn up again, you got your (laughs) license. Yeah, yeah, well... (laughs) Just that, that, I mean, <laughs> I think, yeah, that, that should be enough. Maybe we should try and implement that again. <laughs> what proportion of the Fonzarelli scooter is, is designed in Australia and what proportion is actually built in Australia? We don't build in Australia, so we're kind of a little bit of a mix from where the bike's like actually made. Fonzarelli holds all the design and licences and everything for the design, so we are 100% Australian designed and owned. Mm-hmm. The batteries are coming from Korea, Samsung, the gauges we make in different areas. Um, so some parts are coming from Taiwan, some coming from China, Malaysia. We did some of our um, some of our technology with our partner of ours in Israel, and um, yeah, and then they come to Australia. Quite multicultural. And then it's all integrated here, put together here, or no? We do assembly in Shanghai, just okay. out of Shanghai. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and can you give us an idea of cost? Yeah, sure. So um, the bikes. Uh, 4,490 plus honorary. That includes the charging unit and battery and battery management system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that's quite viable, isn't it? Yeah. The idea is that we want it to be accessible to people and start to make a change now. If we mm-hmm. if the cost is ramped up so high, like, for example, a, a Zero motorcycle, which is a beautiful machine, mm-hmm. but it's $24,000, so uh, we're trying I know. to... I know. Yeah, they're beautiful, <laughs> but we're trying to achieve something that people can just get on and have a little bit of fun and make life a little bit easier maybe mm. and do something good for the environment. So that's a great price point for that. Yeah. Do Fondarelli intend to diversify their product offerings here? Look, we're not really looking at um, diversifying at the moment. We are um, developing technology currently, which is focusing for more for fleets and we're always looking to evolve and always doing R&D. At the moment, we're not looking to move into motorcycles to say because we're a small company mm. and uh, we're all hands on deck and if we take focus away from funds you know it will dilute dilute mm. at this stage so yeah certainly in a few years time but at the moment we've got uh, a good demand for the product and we're interested in keeping it involving and really working on the service and support that's a really big part of a vehicle is being there to back up the product and support the customer base so yeah, that's probably where our growth is more focused rather than diversifying the range at this point. Good. Bearing in mind, and I think you partly covered this before, that this is syndicated nationally, this program, and also available by podcast, of course, borderless. Uh, where can listeners organise a test ride on a Fonzarelli scooter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you would like to do a test ride, uh, you can email electric at fonzarelli.co. And uh, in, as I said before, in Western Australia... Queensland, running out of Brisbane, Sydney and New South Wales and um, Collins Street, Melbourne in Victoria. We hold test rides, so jump onto the website or email us. Uh, so the website is Fonzarelli, F-O-N-Z-A-R-E-L-L-I dot co, without an M. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you can book a test ride online. That also answers the next one for me as to where that we can find out more information. Michelle, no thanks so much for telling us about the Fonzarelli electric scooter and thanks for joining us today. Pleasure. It's very enlightening and, and it sounds like you're doing a wonderful job there, Michelle. It's really pleasing to hear. Thanks, I appreciate that. You have been listening to the Beyond Zero radio show brought to you by the Climate Solutions Organisation, Beyond Zero Emissions. If you wish to learn more about what we do, please visit our website, www.bze.com.
bz.org.au, bz.org.au. Thank you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.